Oh, welcome to Cutting the Morn in the Post-Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben, as always, I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. Claire. Hey. And Pete. Hello. This week, a nice fluffy subject for once, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The yeah, island yeah. that ate it, uh, the country that ate itself. <laughs> I hadn't heard of this, actually. How do you pronounce the country? Nauru. 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 You know, I've heard that so much in this week, and I still can't do it properly. Nauru. Nauru. Yeah. Light and fluffy. Yeah. Always light and fluffy with Cutting the Ball. Oh, we're on the the approach to Christmas, guys. Sounded a bit shit to me. (laughs) It's it's a pun that no one will get for a little while. No, I'm still waiting. Beyond me. Predominantly, it all came from bird shit. Oh, right, okay, yeah. That's where it all stemmed. That's where it all came from. That's what I mean. Well, we'll get into that. We've yeah, that one was fucking lost over everybody's head. <laughs> I never put the connection, to be fair. No, I didn't know. Good one, though, yeah. Yeah? You're not getting the crown. <laughs> I, I wasn't asking for it, really. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't care. Claire's still, Claire still got the crown. Quite some time. Yeah, 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 actually. Yeah, we, we haven't done that. We've been slacking on the puns. Right, let's, let's skip to it then, because we're waffling. No, cutting to the ball in the post through the apocalypse on Facebook. Cutting to the ball in the PTA on SoundCloud, Spotify, and all other podcasting platforms. And Apocalypse Bull on YouTube. Please give us a like, give us a subscribe, send us a message. Let's thank some of you new and returning listeners, and then we're going to kick the fuck out of the island and itself. Yeah. <clears throat> Bogota, Ecuador, Mike? Colombia. Colombia. Ah, shit, yeah. A villa in Spain, Santiago in Chile, Eichach in, in Germany. I've no idea, that's an odd one. Mumbai in India, Santa Maria in Argentina, Remschild in Germany, Rome in Italy, and Louvetot in France. France. Ooh, Guadalajara, right. Spain, don't forget them. Yeah. Well, of course, how could I ever forget them? And Ashburn, Virginia. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Always the same. Thank you very much. Lying between Australia and Hawaii, the island of Nauru is as far from Europe as any place on Earth. And it wasn't until November 8th, 1798, when a British ship called the Snow Hunter... Fuck yes. That's a good name. That's a it? good name. That is a good name for a ship. On In, in the complete wrong climate, though, isn't it? Yes. There's not going to be far much snow. You never know with a British merchant ship in 1798. Not in the Pacific Islands, you know. No. Let's snow, go yeah. right on the equator and look for snow. <laughs> <laughs> hey... It's a cool fucking name. <laughs> it is a cool name. It's just an ironic name. Wasn't it's it? ironic, but it's cool. <laughs> Snow Hunter. It was passing en route to the China Seas. That's when the, it was first spotted by a European. Hundreds of Nauruans canoed out to greet the sailors, and the captain of the Snow Hunter, John Fern, did not permit his men to disembark. I don't know, probably several reasons. Exotic VDs being one of them. Well, you don't know who these people are. It's Scary. safety, isn't it? Well, you've got muskets and they've got canoes. You've got cannons. Well, they've got bows and arrows, I imagine. Spears. Well, you've still got muskets. Yeah, but still. Either way. Boomsticks, Mike. They've never seen a boomstick before, have they? You always yeah. take it with caution, though, don't they? It's best to be a bit cautious. And I was just thinking exotic VD. It's probably what they were thinking as well, <laughs> Captain Fern... They char- it charmed him, that, uh, that welcome. Did There's a nice welcome in it. Captain Fern was charmed by it, as would I. And the warm winds, the island's green central plateau, the swaying palms and the white sand beaches 
It, he loved that so much that he named it Pleasant Island. Mm. I bet it was beautiful back then. Oh, it would have been fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah. Barely, Paradise. You've literally got a few hundred people living on it. Mm. It's all self-sustaining. Yep. Oh, you've got that bit of lush bit in the middle. Lots of seagulls. Plenty of seagulls, maybe the odd albatross. And then came capitalism. I bet, I bet, they, made for, I bet they made for a fine Sunday roast mind. I, I dare say they would. And you know what, Mike? As soon as you suggested this, yeah. I knew exactly what your motive was, mate. <laughs> I knew exactly what it was. This is just you to be a. This is your this chance is, to be a Marxist, isn't it? Yeah, this is a microcosm of the world. Right. This completely is. Not that communism what, never strip mined anything, eh? Uh, or did untold damage to the environment, though, is it? I'm on about the criticism of capitalism. Right. The Soviet Union was so no, I'm, 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 Of course it was, it was horrific. Doesn't mean I can't still critique no, capitalism. You know what, Mike? This is yours. <laughs> this is your fucking critique of capitalism episode. You haven't had one for a while. You haven't even said your line. There we go. The sight and wafting stench of the Snow Hunter's motley crew must have come as quite a shot to the Daruans, although I can't imagine them smelling much better, can you? No. But they but they have been aboard a ship, haven't they? What That's is- true. Do they dip in the ocean, or what do they do? I would guess they'd have a dip, yeah. Because you wouldn't use the water on board for... They had pumps, so you maybe could have showered in seawater. Hmm. There was pumps, so they had manually operated pumps, but maybe they showered. To be fair, Claire, one area of history I've never looked into is the sanitary conditions on the British Royal Navy in 1798. <laughs> I assumed that it'd be like, you know, they'd have lavatories, but just a pipe going out to the side of the, sh- the ship. You went forward to the head decks, the oh. head deck. Well, you trapped off the side of the ship, basically. Yeah. Not the poop deck. Not the poop deck, as people claim to think, no. Weird, that, isn't it? You can get a cat of nine tails for that. <laughs> well, that's what the captain stands, I think. Yeah, so yeah, you'll probably find poo wasn't called poo in them days, though, was it? It was wasn't shit. A... <laughs> <laughs> well, excrement, if you're being polite. I don't know. Well, excuse me, I need to go and excrete. <laughs> it, might, it might have had a complete different term back then. Scat, shit, yeah. cack, caca. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, Nauru. At the time, life on the small island was mostly peaceful and predictable. Tension among Nauru's 12 clans did run deep, and now and again those disputes would turn deadly. Any year with light rainfall would cause great sufferings too. The island's only surface water is a brackish and shallow lagoon. Still, for thousands of years, Nauruans had managed to live largely in balance with nature, isolated but self-sufficient with societal acrimony more or less kept in check. Captain Fern's naming of the island for the English-speaking world did not upset the stability, but it was an omen of dark times ahead. Enter William Harris. Shouldn't, shouldn't he have asked the people what it was called? Or, or is that the translation? Oh, well, he, I think he he's, just, fight, he's, he's, he's fighting the it. island for the... For the rest of the world, he has to name it, and he's called it Pleasant Island, whereas they call it Nauru. They should have asked you right, but this the I do there's a there's a language barrier, arrogance, though. isn't it? Really? Well, there is a language barrier, I guess. You know, so. not everyone's. It's not like nowadays, Mike, where you rock up in Africa and someone says hello. In the deepest, darkest Africa, you crawl out the African jungle, and there's a bloke in a Man United shirt, and he says, "All right, Del boy, you want a cup of tea?" 
<laughs> you know, not everyone spoke English. Sadly, strange times. William Harris touched ground in Nauru in 1842 after escaping from Norfolk Island, a British people colony about 900 miles east of Australia. He did not go there in search of pearls or diamonds or gold, and he wasn't looking to trade. He went to live a carefree and easygoing life as a beachcomber, one of many convicts and deserters then hiding out in the South Pacific. Oh yeah, beats a prison cell, doesn't it? Fucking does beats being stuck on some shitty Pacific island in, in a behind walls, doesn't it? Of course. I can't imagine life as particularly fun in a penal colony in, in the nineteenth century. <laughs> Whenever I hear penal colony, I just think of penises. Just like a bunch of willies running around. I think of sexually transmitted crabs. <laughs> like a penal colony is like a colony around your penal. No, I just, just picture lots of penises. <laughs> that's weird, isn't it? Well, that's what you picture, is it, Claire? No. <laughs> Please. She was just. I could see her mouth in the word cock. <laughs> cock. <laughs> The first beachcombers had come to Nauru in the early 1830s. Life was not as happy-go-lucky as they were likely imagining. During the 1830s, John Jones, like Harris, a fugitive from Norfolk Island, had ruled the Nauruan Islands with brutality, murdering at least a dozen beachcombers. So he's like, this is my fucking island. I, this is, you don't come here. And he brutally murders them. Jones stayed on the edges of Nauruan society, brokering deals with passing ships to trade pigs and coconuts for tobacco, liquor and rifles. Oh, guess who this is going to end up? These guys have never had tobacco, alcohol or firearms. No. Oh, this isn't going to go well, is they it? They didn't give them all at the same time. They've been like a few here, a few there, those Nauruans yeah, and more pigs. Yeah, a few trades here, a few trades there. Yeah. You've got, well, you, I've got these firearms and some ammunition. Maybe you give me that pig. And you, you yeah. know you know already that between the 12 tribes, animosity runs a bit deep. Oh, well, if you played this properly, you could arm them all equally and just fucking stand back and you su- supply everybody. <laughs> yep. That's, way, the end. that's the way all wars work. Well, that's it, isn't it? You're a, at this <laughs> the point, bankers don't take sides. At this point, you're what they call they a merchant of death. And you just clean up at the end and take all the guns and sell them on to somebody else. And go the next, and go the next inhabited island. Yeah, yeah. I've got these guns. <laughs> now, eventually, Jones fell out with the Nauruan chiefs, and the Haji blamed them for all the murders he did. In 1841, they exiled him to Banaba, a neighbouring island, 185 miles east of the Nauruan. So William Harris was lucky then to arrive in Nauru after Jones had been cast off the island. Like other beachcombers, he helped the Nauruans barter with passing Europeans, but he took a different tack with the Nauruans, integrating in, into their society by marrying a native and raising a large family. He would live on the island for nearly 50 years and witness island life change in ways unimaginable to any past generation of Nauruans. That's not bad though, is it, eh? Knock up, go native, as they used to call it in the Empire days, you marry a local... Raise a family, go native, start dressing like them. Living in paradise. Yep. After a so by the eighteen seventies, guns were in homes across the island, and the ruins were smoking and drinking heavily, <laughs> especially a sour toddy made by fermenting coconut flowers. After a chief was shot and killed during a drunken quarrel, Nauru began to spiral into <laughs> violence. Jesus. Ugh. 
Retaliations were swift and deadly. Traditions for resolving conflict did little to slow the escalating feuds among clans and families. Neighbours slew each other and skirmishes turned into bloodbaths. Fucking hell. In 1881, the British Royal Navy dropped anchor off Nauru and Harris boarded the flagship to inform the captain that a civil war had broken out on the island. The Adley captain communicated the fleet that an escaped convict is king. All hands constantly drunk, no fruit or vegetables to be obtained, nothing but pigs and coconuts. Don't you hate it when that happens? You go somewhere and there's nothing but pigs and coconuts. Like a Telford nightclub in the 90s. Now, still. <laughs> I was being polite. <laughs> At the time, the ruins was of minor strategic value for the colonial powers, jockeying around in the Pacific for snatching up little islands and planting the flag. Yeah. Well, empire follows trade. Yep. After all. But there wasn't, but Nauru was obviously... There's not much there, is there? pigs and coconuts. Pigs and coconuts. And not much water. No. Shit water at that. Then one day, in 1899, the geologist Albert Ellis inspected a rock-like object that was propping open a door in the Sydney office of the Pacific Islands Company. Much like the East India Company, they're like a trading and plantation firm. you got to look at Albert Ellis here and like, go, oh, what's that interesting doorstop you've got there? I'm going to take that away and examine it. In the meantime, your door's closed and there's nothing all to open with. That's hardly the concern, though, is it? I mean, what he manages to find out... Well, no, you think it's a bit dull of the man, is all. Like, oh, look at that fascinating <laughs> doorstop. I'm going to take it away and do tests on it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going with. What a dull fuck. <laughs> well, what a lucky find. Well, it was a massive lucky find because he'd been told it was a piece of petrified wood from Nauru. But this didn't seem right. And soon after some tests, he would soon discover it was actually high-grade phosphate ore a super fertiliser worth a potential fortune if he could locate the source. This stuff's like gold at this point, isn't it? Yeah. It's ridiculous, and this island has a shit ton of it. A metric shit ton. Why? Sailing to Nauru in 1901, Ellis found 80% of the entire island, which is the raised central plateau, the Nauruans called Topside, was rich in phosphate of lime. And the Pacific Islands Company was renamed the Pacific Phosphate <laughs> Company. And in 1905, a deal was made with Germany to mine Nauru. Because Germans, the Germans owned it at this point. They had a, a little nominal presence, didn't they? Like yeah. four dudes or something like that. And everyone's drunk off their ass anyway. A year later, the first boatload of Nauru and Phosphate would sink in a storm of Australia. But this did little to deter miners. And over the next decade... Nauru would export hundreds of thousands of tons from phosphate. The Germans had it, and then we nicked it after World War One. Basically, when the Australians actually took it over during World War One, didn't they? Yeah, they, well, they did. Yeah, and then the Japanese had it briefly during World War Two. Yeah, like, like, like murdered loads of people because mm, they're twats. That's what like it was. Strategic twats. platform or something. It's the Japanese philosophy of making the Americans take every inch of land so that even if there's a tiny little Pacific Atoll, they'll put a platoon of men on it and tell them to dig in. Mm. And plus now they know that there's tons of phosphate on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Whereas the Germans didn't realise, so they didn't really bother with it. It's not very efficient of the Germans for once, <laughs> is it? Usually they're quite on the ball with mm. these things. 
they got to paradise and they were just like, yeah, yeah. let's just chill out. Just sit here and drink my cold German lager that I'm having brought in by ship. Yeah. It's not a bad post, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. I'd imagine the mosquitoes would be fucking pleasant, though. The size of small fucking birds they are. Probably, yeah. <laughs> now, the ruins had never built homes on Topside, preferring the cooler shoreline. But Topside was home to wild almond and planted panduas... How did you say that? Panduas trees? Pandanus. trees. <laughs> Anus trees, eh? As well as flocks of birds, including terns, noddies, frigate birds... Miners cleared the scrub, ferns and trees, scraped away the topsoil, and then dug the ore out of the pits and crevices of the ancient coal underneath, and little care was taken. Photographer Rosamond Dobson Roan, writing in 1921 for the Nat Geo magazine, describes the after-effects to quota, A worked-out phosphate field is a dismal, ghastly track of land, with its thousands of upstanding white coral pinnacles from 10 to 30 feet high, its cavernous depths littered with broken coral, abandoned tram tracks, discarded phosphate baskets, and rusted American kerosene tins. Sounds like shit, doesn't it? Does, doesn't it? Compared to what it was. Almost sounds like the aftermath of a war zone. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You'd describe it as a no-man's land, wouldn't you? Mm. Before it was a paradise. And yeah. Now it's shat, to put it bluntly. <laughs> Well, no, it, it was shat. <laughs> There's no shat no more. It's all been taken. Uh, by this time, Australia was ruling Nauru, having captured it from Germany at the start of World War One, And it declared the island as an offshore mining site and began to focus on building mining infrastructure, mechanising mining and ramping up exports. By the early 1920s, Nauru was exporting some 200,000 metric tonnes of phosphate a year. Fucking hell, that's fair, isn't it? Yeah. Two decades later, it was more than four times that, and all priced well below the world average to subsidise farmers in Australia, New Zealand and Great Britain. A triumvirate of nations organised as the British Phosphate Commissioners and given mandate by the League of Nations, the UN at the time. They ripped them off then, basically. Yeah. Well, yes and no, because no deal has been struck with them, so technically you're not ripping them off. But at the same time, we are destroying their island. Yeah. Yep, taking all the profits for ourselves. Mm. Now, I kind of get it. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate slightly. In 1940, when we own this, 39 and 40, we need to maximise food production, therefore we want super fertiliser. Mm. So I, and as we did the same to every other country in the empire, basically raided it to pay for victory, I'll, I'll give them some justification is a devil's advocate. Is anyone else going to agree with that? Or disagree? I, I, I feel a bit Mike, to be honest. <laughs> I'm kind of teetering on, on... My left bollocks on one side of the fence, my right bollocks on the other. <laughs> I, I, I'm sat right on the... the is the, is the, the board of the fence right betwixt your cheeks? It really is, and it's kind of painful. <laughs> I'm not sure which way to go. Claire seems to have a smile on her face, though. <laughs> we clearly prospered from their what, sorry. what would end up being misery. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And but it, it, was, it wasn't ours to take, was it? It's theirs. We're a bunch of skunks. Yeah. Finders keepers. As we'd always been. Finders keepers. Losers weepers. You know, 
That's the whole point of colonialism, isn't it? Finders keepers. You haven't found it. You're taking it. Well, you, you, you know. Yeah, but they, they don't know. What, but they, they don't know. What, but they don't know what they're sat on. No, they don't. That's true. You know, but it's up to them, isn't it? I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't give and them some sh- of the profits, <sighs> or at least bring them stuff to trade for it. They should have the most of the profits, shouldn't they? And then things do change a bit later when they become independent. Yeah. If we but this time, it's all, all the profits are going to the company and yeah, their, their shareholders. Oh yeah. Have we brushed up how it was so rich in phosphate? Birdship. Yeah, we haven't really mentioned that. As you just want to justify your pun. <laughs> no, no, I just thought it was a really interesting part yeah. of the story. I don't know. If, Basically, the way that... It was a birdship. <laughs> there is a shittest part of the story. <laughs> the phosphate. All I'm going with is a phosphate's there. Yeah. But why was it there and there particularly? Birdship and coral. Sorry, Claire. Inhabited by birds, isn't it? Maybe it was like, you know... Humans is, this, is this where your research tunnel went down beat into finding the formation of phosphorus? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, I just thought it was really interesting the way that it just so happened at this particular point, more than any other little island. Now, you've got to think how many fucking hundreds of little islands there are around that area. Indonesia, all the Hawaiian islands, all these different fucking... There's loads. Well, Indonesia's a peninsula, isn't it? Bit further over Indonesia. No, but you've got the Indonesia comes down above kind of Australia and that, and then you've got all these fucking islands, hundreds of Pacific islands, yeah. And why this particular island was so strong in it was because all these birds were were nesting there. It was a bird paradise, wasn't it? But yeah, but why was it that specific island? It was just mad, wasn't it? Really, it was. It was a fluke that they found it, and the fluke that. They yeah. realised how strong it was mm-hmm. there, but it was only there because the, the the old coral that had been one point under the ocean, I'm assuming, that island would have been under the yeah, sea. Yeah, there's a coral there, yeah. I guess so, so. Yeah, yeah. between the mixture of the, the old decaying, rotting coral and the tons of shit that were produced from all the birds that were clearly nesting on the island, it's just mad how it created that perfect... The perfect storm kind of thing. Well, the, certainly the companies loved it. Well, yeah. The phosphate mine would briefly grind to a halt after Japan invaded Nauru in 1942. Bastards. And Japanese troops were, of course, merciless. Mm. Beatings, summary executions, deportations, forced labour camps and mass drownings. They drowned the lepers. They, they were, drowned the lepers. They were ruthless, weren't they? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, they were. They it's were. hard to imagine now, though, when we think the mm. Japanese, they're like the, one of the most peaceful nations on earth, like one hundred percent. And there's not, there's not even any hiding that, that they're actually trying to bomb us all. Really, no, they're really not. They are actually peaks. They vowed, didn't they? After yeah, they they, bombed, although saying that, they 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 have a defence force. That's it. It's purely used for defence. Yeah. Although they did deploy troops to the Gulf. But they never saw action. They were like guarding prisoners and shit like that. Yeah. But they've recently put a massive defence budget spending in. I think they've knocked it up by 2 or 3%, mm-hmm. maybe even more, because of the threat from North Korea. So now they're they're, wow. st- they're buying all their shit from America and yeah, building their own Yeah, to what they were in the Second Oh, because that's what I mean. Well, it's hard to imagine yeah. how, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, how absolutely they were. Because they were... 
Ugh. what they are now. <laughs> Such a peaceful nation. Check yeah. out a Christmas episode from a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's when we made Claire scream out loud. <laughs> Unit 731. Yeah. You watch the little video. And oh, right. They smash her, like they froze her hands, didn't they? And then smashed, smashed them off with... And they degloved them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that feel that. Oh, oh. they degloved nice, her arms it? up to the forearms. They froze them, aren't they? They froze their, their hands and arms Smashed, yeah. and then put them in some sort of hot water. Was it just yeah. hot water? Yeah. Or something? And they kept doing that. Yeah, and all the until they were frozen. Until there was ice, yeah. like an inch thick around her, up, up to her forearms, and then put it in hot water. And then the, the, they the, just the, peeled back peel the skin. Face. And then peeled back the skin. Okay, now. Well. <laughs> Claire screamed. It was hilarious. <laughs> they were nasty bastards. Yeah, they really to be were. fair, in that particular period of history, at war's end in 1945, fewer than 600 Nauruans remained on the island, and a quarter of the Nauruan people had died. They had a population of about 11,000 at this point. Wow. Most of them had been taken off for forced labour, mm. executed, and there's only 600 or left or fled. The United Nations put Nauru under a trusteeship of Australia, Britain and New Zealand, with Australia once again administering the island. So, yeah, everything back to normal. Yep, it's been given Go back. that phosphate. And, of course, their phosphate industry was almost immediately revived, and a few years later, exports were higher than ever. Over the next two decades, exports would rise steadily, and Australian and New Zealand farmers are paying far below market prices until 1963. By the time Nauru gained independence in 68, more than 35 million metric tonnes of phosphate wow. had left its shores. Enough phosphate to fill dump trucks, or bin trucks, if you're in Britain, part end-to-end from New York City to Los Angeles and back and again. Back again? That's a lot of phosphate. I've got no clue on New York to Los Angeles, though. So. They're on the sides of the country. Right. Literally, New York is on the east, Los Angeles on the west. It's, right, it's, a, it's like across there. the fattest yeah. part of America. A couple yeah. of thousand miles, isn't it? More, more than that, probably. Yeah, like 3,000, 4,000 miles, something like that. That's what you just said. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, these are like a couple of thousand. Well, it's a couple of thousand yeah. and another couple of thousand. Oh, yeah. Either way, it's a it, fucking yeah. long ass. Yeah, that's, that's fucking mad. That's a massive number, isn't it? Yep. 35 yep. million metric tons. Huge. Huge. Surprised there's any of the island left. Well, that's, well, that's it, a problem. That does become a major problem. That's this is the issue that we're going to have later on. Spoiler ah. alert. So, can I just clarify something very quickly? Metric ton, yeah, 1,000 kilos. Mm-hmm. What, what's a non-metric ton? A thousand imperial pounds, is it? Oh. I don't know. It's, I know an imperial ton is like a thousand pounds or something like that. Right, okay, so it would be light, yeah, so it would be lighter than a metric ton. I think an imperial ton's more. Nah, it's a pound. It's 2.2 pounds to the kilogram. Oh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, oh, just to be fair, I don't care either. So in 1968, one third of Nauru had been strip mined and Nauruans 
were living. Did I see Naboo the first time? I think you did. <laughs> I think I did. One third of Naboo had been strip mined, and the ruins were living on a narrow ring around a plateau of jagged, spiky, razor sharp coal and limestone pillars. During the interwar years, and again after World War Two, Nauru and land did, landowners did receive token royalties, and small trust funds were set that's up. That's nice of them, isn't it? It is. It is a tenner. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so that, that means it's not outright theft, because the Nauru share was tiny, though, considering the profits, damage, and cost of restoring it was, it was mining land. After independence, the Republic of Nauru, as it became known, chose to cash in on its remaining phosphate, increasing exports, despite knowing that supplies had run out within a generation or two. Well, that's just incompetence, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. Were they taking backhanders from the phosphate company? Probably. They are politicians, after all. I, yeah. <laughs> and the guy who took over, I'm sure I think we'll come across him in yeah. a bit, was like Australian educated and partially raised... So he, he's like, oh, he knows how to deal with these guys because he can speak the language fluently. He's learnt in their schools and their colleges. And it's like, mm, he's just become one of them, though, hasn't he? He's forgotten his heritage. He's... Well, we'll see. So on paper, at least, the ruins became wealthy over the next two decades. In 1975, Nauru's Phosphate Royalties Trust was valued at over a billion Australian dollars. dollars. Australian dollars. And the country's... So about 50p then. (laughs) (laughs) Nowadays, yeah. (laughs) And the country's per capita gross domestic product was second only to Saudi Arabia. Again, the second richest country in the world. And as we all know, Saudi Arabia is a damn fucking rich country. Yeah. Now, most Aruans certainly do not live in luxury, but the government did not tax incomes. They provided free education and health care and was the main employment for the local Nauruans. Now, look at the difference. Since 1968, all of a sudden, the company, the phosphate company's got getting all the profits, the government's getting the profits, and they're making it better for their inhabitants. They're prospering. Yeah, they've got a comfortable life, they've got free healthcare, free education. These guys are like, money's flowing at the end of the day, and the, but they have no concept of it. That's the issue. Yeah. You got people buying like packs of cigarettes for fifty dollar bills and leaving it to keep the change. Why? Because they've got no concept of what it is. It's just like here you go. And there was a lot of government waste as well. So the government, although it was doing some good things, it was also doing some terrible things as well. Yeah, it's buying fucking cruise ships and aircraft and overseas hotels and politicians and under charter flights to just shop and vacation abroad. And even then, sports cars became a prized possession in Nauru, even though driving leisurely around the island only takes 20 minutes. <laughs> About five minutes in a Lamborghini. Yeah, the one police chief imported a Lamborghini. He only discovered that he was too bulky to squeeze behind the wheel. <laughs> Is it like the size of Isle of Man? Isle of Wight kind it's of tiny, thing? It's tiny. It's the smallest nation in the world, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Actually, not... If Isle of Man... I, sorry, Isle of Wight is, a, is part of England, yeah. isn't it? Does that take 20 minutes to get across the island? I'm trying to work it out. I'm trying to think. Like, I'll, Yeah, it's mm. probably not far off. Well, they have that bike race round it, so it can't take that long, can That's it? Like, That's yeah. the island. Oh, right. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to gauge reason. a concept of the, mm. the, how, like, miles 
miles, like tip to tip, how many miles is it, I wonder? Well, if it takes 20 minutes driving leisurely, I'd say, yeah. what, 20 miles? At the most? Absolute most. Maybe 10? Yeah. Yeah. If you do, what, 30 miles yeah, an hour? Look it up, Pete, you'll yeah. I'll check it. So a lot of stupid things happened, recording a ruined... Mar- Nauruan native Manawa Tangamalo in 2008. People go in a shop, buy a few sweets, pay with a £50 note, not take the change. They use they use money as toilet paper. <laughs> so they got the money's coming in, but they've got no concept of money. Yeah. They're just like, oh, I've got to use this to pay for that. Yeah, all right, whatever, keep the change. They've got no idea of how much it is compared to what. Oh, yeah, what things should cost. They've just been rushed into Western civilization over the space of 10 years. A few generations, yeah. Surely the product would have a price. Yeah, but you don't know what it should cost anyway. Mm. Wow, so its area is 8.1 square miles. Well, fucking hell. So you're talking two before, two miles for four miles, well, essentially. Or it could be three by two, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. But it could take 20 minutes because they're going to go around the whole circumference. Yeah, but it is go. only about three, four miles at its yeah, longest tiny. point, like yeah, really. Yeah. That's mad, that is. It is. <laughs> that really is tiny. It's, it's half the size of the Isle of Wight, mm. Isle of Wight I think. Now, during this time, Nauru was also seeking compensation from Australia, New Zealand and Britain for the damage done by mining before July 1967. As the administrator, Australia knew well that mining was decimating Nauru, and by the early 1960s, Australia was proposing to resettle the ruins in Australia, including an offer in 1963 of citizenship and limited self-rule on Curtis Island, just off the coast of Queensland. That's actually not a bad offer, really, is it? Nah. I know you fucked their island up, but that's not bad. Yeah, but you, limited self-rule, I mean... Well, that's not too shabby. Well, you you pay your taxes Austra- to Australia, but they Australians leave you alone. treat their... Indigenous people. Well, at this point, might they were on an island off the coast, just leaving them to it. Well, I'm just saying. You might have a couple of policemen there. And even now, they still don't treat them well, do they? Oh no, it's it's pretty much the equivalent of the Native American settlements, isn't it? The yeah. what they call them? Where they put the Native Americans. The Aborigines. Reservations. Reservations. They just stick them on reservations, yeah. don't they? And then everyone becomes an alcoholic and beats their spouse. Yeah, so you? it's not a great deal, is it? No, you're not going to be like the white people. It's not a bad offer, though. Australian citizenship with it. Yeah, I know, but bringing in the benefits that entitles. Yeah, have got citizenship. That doesn't mean shit, does it? Oh no, I'm just saying it's not oh. a bad offer. No, but they have fucked the. Because <laughs> they fucked their island, but at this point they've gone. You know what? We did fuck their island. <laughs> we should probably give them it's something. Better than nothing, isn't it? It's better than no. Yeah. Yeah, they'll stick you on an island, let you just get on with it. Yeah. However, Australia were unwilling to consider compensating them. Well, that's, a, that's the problem, isn't it? In 1989, Nauru took Australia to the International Court of Justice, and Australia could see that Nauru had a strong case, and the parties settled out of court, with Australia agreeing to pay $57 million in 1994, as well as another $50 million Australian dollars over the next 20 years, and later on, the UK and New Zealand each contributed $12 million Australian dollars to reduce the burden. But to some extent, the settlement was immoral, and legal victory for Nauru, but considering the damage, the compensation was a financial pittance. Of 
course. Well, they're harder, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Let's face it. And they've made well, billions and billions on top of that. Do you know what? When it. you think of the size of the island, and you think of the amount they've taken off of that island, that in itself, that's fucking Im- immense because take off that many fucking tons of 35 million tons at that point in what what is that 1960 something yeah, 90, yeah 1968 or was it they've taken like three they've taken what 35 yeah. million tons yeah yeah so forward another 20 odd years of them mining out and profiting off it how so, much do you think they've well, taken they, in they've earned 2.5 billion australian dollars which is enough to set the country up for generations, yeah. Keep everything going as it is. Wages, you know, just just keep it. That's two point five billion to them for for fucking like I don't know, at the most eleven thousand people. I'm That's not that would be generations worth of of government and then mm. your free healthcare, your free education, you know, scholarships to fucking you run a country on the country that size. You could run that for fucking two generations. I'm just thinking more so on the side of what's fucking left of this small island. Yeah, yeah. Where's well, all this island this actually is, physically this gone? This is the problem. And by the 1990s, the roof's phosphate resources are running low. And they're thinking, oh shit, where's the money going to come from? We never thought this would happen. Or if we did, we just thought it'd be like after we're dead. Yeah, but what's actually physically left of the island? Because that many, that it's, amount it's of... that top bit. Everyone lives around the coast. Yeah. It's the central top so it's plateau. Like, it, it went. It was just like a yeah. like a mountain out of the sea, almost basically. Yeah, pretty much. This middle bit is a plateau that's flat and raised yeah. above the coast, and they all live around the coast, and that's where the road is. That's where everything is. So, 120 years ago, that it was a it was a mountain that was 150 meters tall, and now it's like a completely flat no, no. fucking sea level. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I'm trying to work out no, like the logistics of it. Strip mines, you can layer off, layer, yeah. and all that birds have been there for thousands of years, shitting, and then stuff comes on the top and shitting, and stuff comes on the top and shitting, and it all gets buried into layers. I understand so they that. Just taking the layers off gradually until literally the, the middle of the island is level with the rest of it. That's but what it's I not was saying. That high. I know. Well, I was a, exaggerating when I said yeah. it was like a hundred mm. meter tall mountain, but it, it would have been surely at one point. That would have been a lot taller than it is now. Yeah, and it's just like they've completely changed the landscape of this small little island. Of course, it was filled with taken sort of birds and trees, but taken all of its coconuts value away, and now it's just like a fucking shell of an island. It's a wasteland now. A shell of an island. It's ate itself. It's just hard to picture. I'm Mm. just trying to. I'm trying to imagine a picture of it. Well, Maybe back it. in the day, Have a look and at a now picture. look it up on your phone. Aerial view of Nauru, and you'll see it. Now, so the Nauruans are like they're thinking, well, how can we get new income? Let's get creative. Let's speak to Duke Minx, who's one of their financial advisors, and they suggest he suggested they invest in a musical, which he co-wrote and produced. <laughs> musical. A, a musical, genuinely. A musical, a West End theatre spectacular. Hilarious. Make some money. Make some money. It'll run for twenty years. You'll make millions. Yeah. I've co-wrote this. 
I've been a roadie for the One It Wonder Pop Group Unit 4 Plus 2, whose song Concrete and Clay knocked the Rolling Stones off the number one spot in 1965. And I've wrote this musical, so therefore I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I love how he thinks that gives him the kudos to fucking be like, yeah, government, back me, come on. He was also <laughs> an executive of Citibank Australia when Nauru was a major client. So Leonardo the Musical... A Portrait of Love. It was a musical. Sounds fantastic already. About, <laughs> it was a musical about a torrid love affair between Da Vinci and the Mona Lisa. However, <laughs> uh, the storyline does draw a fair amount of creative license. It's a bit of a love triangle because apparently the Mona Lisa was bethroned to this sort of a bastard, this soldier who didn't treat her very well. Mm-hmm. And in June 1993. More than 100 Nauruan dignitaries, including the president, were due to fly to London for the opening night. They almost didn't make it. As the parliament affair for takeoff, people swarmed the tarmac to prevent the plane from leaving, yelling in protest and hanging onto the aircraft to try and keep it aground. Oh, Fucking hell. Why? Because they're like, what well, you spent all our money on this for? Yeah. And now you all flying off on our expense to London? And uh, I bet they've only got like. A twelve. They got a hundred. A hundred dignitaries. Where they landed the plane? Well, it, Scarborough Airport. <laughs> I don't know. They must have put a landing strip straight in the middle of that island. Yeah, they've got one. Yeah, they got an airport. So a hundred people. That could still be like a, a Hercules-sized aircraft that could take off. I don't know. I've no idea. Anyway. People swarmed it, probably presumably angry with the amount of money being spent on this project when you've all got no money. That is hilarious, isn't it? Eventually, the police arrived and cleared the runway and the president and his staff flew off to London for the black tie premiere. They had a party at the Waldorf Hotel as well. Very nice. That cost half of their fucking fortune they'd saved. The problem was, it was shit. It's one of the biggest disasters in the history of London theatre. That's hilarious. <laughs> it closed in a month, and then the Nauruan government lost what will be today seven million dollars. Now you can understand why the residents. That's why they're swore in the fucking town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he wasted seven million dollars on that. You could have built a, a fucking school yeah. and a hospital. What were they thinking? Write a musical about a love story between Da Vinci and Mona Lisa. I don't know. <laughs> He'd have been better off turning fucking, I don't know, one Building of Shakespeare's plays school, like well, you said. No. Well, no, but one of Shakespeare's plays into a fucking musical or something. No, He'd have been no. better off doing something like that. What you do is you go completely visionary and you do Sharknado for seven million dollars and it recoups hundreds of millions. Well. You get into shitty B-movie crossovers for $7 million. That's what you do. Not West End musicals. Oh, man. Shock me. But it wasn't the only thing they did, was it? No. Trying to diversify the economy before phosphate supplies ran out, Nauru turned to offshore banking, licensing around 400 foreign banks by the early 1990s. This was mental. You didn't have to have a license or anything to open a bank or passport or nothing. Just, yeah, open a bank. There you go. Tony Owoda, in 1991, in charge of licensing banks, explained his government's reasoning to the Australian, which I assume is some kind of Australian news outlet. After the phosphate industry comes to a close, 
we have to go into other areas that are more sustainable and renewable each year. So, but it is pretty much illegal, you know. It's it basically became an offshore money laundering hmm. place for Russian mafia. Yeah. <laughs> to open a bank, it's not even necessary to visit the room, let alone open a branch on the island. Even keeping bank records was optional. <laughs> what? Yeah. By the 1990s, the room was offering economic citizenship selling passports with little security scrutiny scrutiny sorry the Nauruan government did earn millions of dollars a year in fees but these schemes turned Nauru into a haven for tax evasion and money laundering with tens of billions of dollars of criminal profits washing through in the 1990s Cayman Islands basically but but completely unregulated I mean they're really lax this is nothing. You haven't even got to open a branch. All you've got yeah, to do yeah. is register your bank with the newer government, give them some money, and they'll let you operate out there. That is, that is fantastic. And also, the, the passports they're offering were diplomatic immunity passports. They were diplomatic passports. Is it lethal weapon too? Mm. Diplomatic immunity. Mm. You know? He could have well been from there. That's what he was Jamaica, I don't remember. I, I, I seemed to recall he was. Oh, okay. I was confused. I can't remember him being Jamaican, <laughs> to be fair. Well, I seemed to recall he was from somewhere like that. I thought, I thought he was Russian. <laughs> I thought he was Russian. Yeah. Wow, have I really just miswatched that film? Did I download the, download the wrong Lethal Weapon 2? Did one of my Mel Gibson was a woman? <laughs> <laughs> who got fucked a lot. I, I definitely want to hear that Russian accent again. <laughs> we'll be bringing that one back. Definitely. <laughs> oh, right, thank you, sir. Diplomatic immunity. That's better Russian, isn't it? No, that was still Jamaican. That was, yeah, with ah, a shit. South African. I can only do, do Russian when I say I, Ivan. Oh, no, I can't do that. No, shit. Forget it. I can't do accents. Abort, abort. Abort. I can't do accents. I'm not going to try and do it. Sure, I'm sure I've watched a film where a Jamaican man said diplomatic immunity. Maybe. That's what I'm going to go with. Cool Runnings? No. <laughs> Definitely have seen it. Offshore banking and selling passports could not fix Nauru's economic woes. Desperate for revenue and jobs, with cruel irony, Nauru agreed in 2001 to allow Australia to establish a detention centre on Nauru to process asylum seekers who'd been trying to reach Australia by boat. And by 2002, some 1,000 asylum seekers, mostly Afghan and Iraqi, had been ferried to Nauru, and for a few years, Australian aid and processing fees added millions to the government coffers. Even the scheme, however, could not patch the gaping hole in the economy, as primary phosphate reserves ran out. Through the 1990s, phosphate exports have been in steady decline, although in in the year 2000, they did manage to export another 500,000 metric tonnes. But by 2004, the boom was over, with exports tallying just 22,000 metric tons. That's still a lot. And if you are, if you are them, sorry, Claire, go on. That's loads. It's still loads. I don't know why they kept on digging. But how much is it worth per ton? That's the thing, isn't it? If it's only worth a hundred dollars per ton. Well, the thing is, and you've got to think about all the corruption as well. Remember that when they were mining it for the Australian and the British Empire Mining Corporation, Mining Corporation, it was called. They were selling it to people at a massive discount. 
they're not doing that anymore. They're selling to everyone for as much as they can get. And it's still like super fertilizer. Mm. Isn't it? Phosphates in the in the compost and this well, yeah, it's compost effectively, isn't it? Yeah. Super compost. But now remember they've got to afford all that free health care, the free education. Yeah. yeah. And not collecting income taxes. So the government's getting nothing in apart from that phosphate, they've got to pay for everything. God imagine paying no tax. Oh, that's what it should be. Mm. No income tax. That would be nice. But then nothing it? would run. You just you just stealth tax in other ways, but you get no income tax. That'd be nice. Then you end up under room. It's gotta be a way of doing it. Well, you've got to tax the rich one. No, they need to they Simple. need to boost it to like twenty five grand a year before you start paying tax. Yeah, yeah that's fair. And we're also tax the fucking rich. They yeah. never had it so good. They're like richer than the pharaohs were. Mike, why are you wearing a fur coat? <laughs> <laughs> Is that fur. real mink? I'd never wear fur. Mink. Where are you getting your money from? <laughs> See, we've still got the head on it. Yeah. <laughs> Several heads. No, Mike's not really wearing a mink coat. No, unlike unlike many people who say that, Mike's not sold out. No, it's not a mink coat. It's jackal coat. <laughs> What's the most expensive animal there is? Oh, got to be the rarest, doesn't it? Yeah, what's the rarest animal? Pandas are pretty rare. <laughs> Mike, why you got my size to panda in the hallway? It keeps me warm in the winter. <laughs> are you mating it? <laughs> Where's it going to hold it? I'm mating with it. <laughs> Goddamn pandas, it's unconceived. <laughs> I bet there's something rarer than a panda. That's got to be, but... Unless a spotted mongoose or something. The Tasmanian devil was respotted again recently. The last time I saw them, there was only like a hundred of them. You wouldn't want a Tasmanian devil <laughs> No, not a Tasmanian devil. A Tasmanian... Oh, it's, still, it's like a tiger, yeah. Tasmanian tiger. Might have been spotted. Might have been spotted. But they they might be... It might um, have been a chupacabra. Maybe. Not in Australia, unlikely. Might have been a dingo. Or New Zealand. Could have been a dingo eating a baby. <laughs> Always eating babies. <laughs> I used to assume they were. <laughs> oh no, the dingo's got my baby again. <laughs> yeah, you got hit with a brush and it's a baby girl. That's why Australians are all tough. The ones, the, the, the when ones. I was a kid, I got ate by a dingo and he shut me out. <laughs> yeah, bastard. he's like the king of Australia now. And then my dad put him on the barbie, the fucker. <laughs> he's like dude is the king of Australia. Oh dear. <laughs> so, Nauru's economy's in tatters, isn't it? The government still wasn't collecting income tax. The public service is by far the main employer of nationals. State investments are going to rise. Years of recurring deficits. And the government's been borrowing heavily from Nauru's sovereign wealth fund to stay afloat. Struggling to pay wages and defaulting on loans, the Nauruan government agreed to allow Australia to step back in and manage the country's finances. In 2004. 2004. From 1968 to 2002, Phosphate earned Nauru 3.6 billion Australian dollars with around 1.8 billion Australian dollars in profits. It's not that much, you think about it. It's about £4.50, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but think about the gas and oil companies, which billions they make each year. This, yeah. was like, this was from over decades, this one. Yeah, 1968 to 2002. The worst thing is, though, when you think technically there's, what, 10,000 people live on this island. Mm-hmm. 
But if it had been invested... What a fucking farce. Why wasn't it kept on the island and used the money properly? Every fucking person on that island could be wealthy, rich, um, well looked after. It's a shit. Yeah, I'd say that now. If it was invested judiciously, they reckon that the trust fund could have been worth $8 billion by 2004 with each Nehruan family pocketing $4 million Australian dollars. All right, yeah, it's only a pound each, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'm only joking, Australians. Your dollar's worth a bit more than that. £1.50. So they could be millionaires, couldn't they? No, 100%. It's fucking well. Selfish bastard. Twats. Government man, it doesn't matter what country you're in, whether it's a fucking small, tiny little paradise island, the UK, not that that's a small paradise island, I meant as another example, or America... He's fucking, it goes from the tiniest to the biggest. You're all corrupt as fuck, man. Yep. Oh, it does I wish I was corrupt. No one's offered me, offered, offered me any money. Yeah, but <laughs> so I don't wish I was corrupt. Gears, Pete. It makes my shit itch. <laughs> it really does. Yep. Like, so it should, mate. Yep. But the worst thing is that our government have sold us out. But there's nothing we can do about it. Nothing we can do about it. Nope. You just, all you do is you got a choice between one corrupt party or one slightly less corrupt party. Oh, we, oh the only and way around, around it, every now and again. The yeah. only way around it is full on guy forks it. But but then another one would replace it. So well, well no, because I'll be ruling that one, <laughs> and you know it'll be judicious and fair. God, Let's keep it as it is, thanks. <laughs> it'll be the fucking utopia if I was in charge. Nah. I just I just think it's a shame that it doesn't matter. It Who, is, where, yeah. when, it's just all the fucking same. Look what they've done. Look how they're destroying the world. Money poison creates... Poison our food, poison our air. Money creates... Strip mine the river. Our water. Shit in the rivers. The richer get richer because the more money you have, the more money you want, the more money you need. So it made greed yeah. killing the world and this is a microcosm of that. Yeah. It is a fantastic little example of it, a microcosm, exactly, yeah. It is. It's this is what happens when you just don't give a fuck and take the money. Yep. Put it bluntly, isn't it? Mm. We don't give a fuck. This is gonna run out one day. Nah, I'll be all right. If they're not considered like erosion as well, it's only a very small island. It well, just... because of climate change, yeah, it's probably it's gonna just be gonna under collapse, the... mate. Yeah. It's just a fucking empty shell. That's what I was saying earlier. Surely the amount they've mined out of this place is a fucking empty shell now. Oh, the fuck! It is eighty percent of the island. I think is uninhabitable now. It's a wasteland. It is literally a fucking wasteland. And the worst of it is, the Patriot Act in two thousand and one gave the power to prohibit American banks from dealing with quote rogue state institutions. So because they've been selling their passports, they're a rogue state. Yeah. So they get further sanctions put on them. Yeah. Today. Nauru is still searching for a place in the world economy. Since 2006, it's upgraded mining equipment and refurbished mining infrastructure to dig out harder to reach phosphate. So they're going to fuck the country even more. They're still doing 45,000 metric tonnes a year, but obviously that's nothing like in the past. And it's harder to get to, so it's more yeah. expensive to get it out. Beneath the sprinkling of... Pro- this is the worst of it is. Beneath, below the sprinkling of primary surface phosphate, Phosphate still left on top side the, the the plateau. It does have secondary reserves, perhaps as much as twenty million metric tons. Fuck me, how much is on this island? There's gonna be nothing left. It's just no. gonna be the fucking coastal road yeah. and the houses. Yeah. It would be one of it would be the first Don't like look. ring island. Yeah, but of course, 
plans are underway to mine this last remaining phosphate, but it's not a long-term solution, is it? Again. No. But I suppose if they're getting 45,000 metric tonnes out a year, if they're happy with that, then they have got Still not enough, a good mate. few years of mining. Yeah, it's costing yeah, it's, more. It's harder and harder each time you go down further and further. Yeah. It's Until everything just sinks into the sea. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the solution. No. I'm just saying it's the reality of it. They might have, they've, they've given themselves another 100 years with that 20 million a ton if they leave it at the rate they're doing now. Well, it gets a little bit worse for them in all fairness. Because in 2007, Australia shut its detention camp only to reopen it again in 2012. Now, Tony Abbott, former Australian Prime Minister, says, I've been to Nauru and it's quite a pleasant island. <laughs> it's no place, no means, an unpleasant place to live. And, he, and Tony Abbott even talked of exp expanding the Rue camp in 2013 to hold as many as many 15,000 asylum seekers. This on an island with no natural water supply. But by 2014, there were more than 1,200 asylum seekers. Afghans, Sri Lankans, Pakistanis, Iraqis, Iranians, living in tents, forced in on topside. Fenced. fenced in on topside. Dusty and parched in a dry season. The detention and processing centre is muddy and miserable in the wet season. Fucking hell, it's fucking paradise, doesn't it? Jesus. Mm. So they just like sticking them on where next to the mining bit. Yeah. In fenced off tents, live living that. And of course, they're not going to take it, are they? They've gone on hunger strikes and sewn their lips together. Wow. It's quite extreme, isn't it? Yeah. They're not going to do that unless things are really shit. Riots have broken out, destroying much of the detention facility, although it was quickly rebuilt. And Amnesty International's Graham Tom describes the camp as, quote, not only extraordinarily ill-conceived, but cruel. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just shit, isn't it? Yeah. No trees, no grass, no birds. No. Nothing to do. No air conditioning in the tents. Oh, desperation. Hell on earth. In early 2019, there's still 350, 350 people uh, awaiting processing. One of the women, originally from Iran, after at least seven years in the Rue, attempted suicide. She, to quote her, she said, It is like a slow death for me. I don't want to come to Australia any longer. My only desire is death. Me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus. What a nightmare. She's been broken, man. Oh, it's yeah. a bit fucking hell. Desperation seems to pervade all of the room. High unemployment is endemic. With few restaurants and only a handful of hotels, Nauru has little tourism. Landing by air, the island looks alluring. Up close, you find rusting cars, run-down houses and rotting garbage. Nauru and homes are very basic and often seem partly built. Australian journalist Cathy McLeish wrote in 2013, Rubbish that is roads and yards, or decades old infrastructure is broken and left to decay. So it sounds like a good way to have a nice cheap holiday, though. I was, nice, you know what? Nice I, was, climate, like. I was thinking that. Uh, <gasps> if they've got an all-inclusive, you'd go with that, wouldn't you? Well, trouble is, it's $50 for a melon. Yeah, it's and about 4p. No yeah, there is no water, that is an issue. It's about 4p, no, that's fine. No, it's not. No, it's about 30 quid, isn't it, I guess? Yeah. Because they have to import all their food and water, mm. so it, it's exponentially high. So you can go there for cheap, but 
It might be cheap to stay. A bit like Menorca and Isle of Wight, places like that, they are particularly expensive. Yeah. Isle of Wight's like London prices. Yeah. And Menorca, it's like London prices compared to Spanish prices. You think you're going to go on a nice cheap holiday because you're in Spain. Oh, fucking no. Mm. It's just as expensive as here. Well, the only thing propping these guys up is Australian Eve, offshore fitting license, licenses, send their remaining phosphate. In the in the recent years, bingo is the only private sector activity that's been thriving. And the government's finally going to tax the game. Because it's always the same. No matter how shit things are, people are always find ways to gamble. It's crazy, isn't it? It's desperate people that gamble. Yeah. Isn't it? Generally, yeah. Nothing to do, though. No. That's true. It's it's hope. It's hope of getting out of a desperate situation. God, I might win the lottery this week. Things, you know, my life Oh, shit, and I'm in the lottery tonight. It was 147 million. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. Uh, No, seriously, Euro Millions is 147 million. Meant to get a ticket. Bollocks. Yeah, well, I wouldn't worry about it. No. (laughs) Odds, you're going to win it. You never know, Mike. Gotta be in it to win it. <laughs> it could be you. Oh, they don't do that adverts anymore, do they? With the big hand. Yeah. The big pointy finger. Big finger of God coming down. Coming out of the clouds. Yeah. It could be you. What the fuck? You'd, die, you'd just have a heart attack there, yeah. wouldn't you? You would. I, I, well, I'd be like, oh shit, I'm. I'm, I'm but the <laughs> alcoholic, alcoholism is endemic too, so don't. They're all drinking it up, aren't they? Of course they are, they? Yeah. Fuck all else to do, is there? So, excluding asylum seekers, some 10,000 people now reside on Nauru. Almost all food is imported, even fresh water is shipped in when the desalinisation facility fails to meet needs. Processed and canned food makes up much of a diet heavy in salt, sugar and artificial ingredients. And Nauru has one of the world's highest obesity rates. With two-thirds of men and three-quarters of the room women obese as well, as one of the highest rates of smoking. Around a quarter of all Nauruan adults suffer from diabetes, alcohol is endemic too, contributing to domestic violence and frequent drunk driving offences, even though all of the country's roads cover just 19 miles, which is 30 kilometres. I'm definitely going to see how much it's going to cost to go on holiday there, you know. <laughs> well, you're just going on holiday in Telford. Yeah. No, it does sound like a shit place to be, doesn't it? Really does. Telford isn't like that. No, I'll expand that to I'll expand that to Hull. Hull, definitely Hull. Or Wolverhampton, maybe. So since the early 1900s, Nauru has lost at least 80% of its original vegetation. Over this time, it's exported around 80 million metric tons of phosphate. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Now, if if dump trucks would fly. This would stretch from New York City to Tokyo and then go back. All of this phosphate came from Ireland, one third the size of Manhattan Ireland. It's tiny. It is tiny, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Eight, 80, 80 billion kilos. 80 billion kilos. And tons. Yeah, 80 million yeah. tons is 80 billion kilos. Yeah. A kilo is a little bit more... No, a ton is a thousand kilos, isn't it? Yeah, so a thousand times 80 million Uh, would be 
80 billion. Oh, okay. Are you just been out mathed? Oh, I'm not very good at maths, I admit. I'm better than you, though. Oh, fuck yeah. I <laughs> Don't <laughs> question Everyone, my maths. Everyone's better than me. Maths is my thing. But what, like, I just think it's it's more of a relative measurement for yeah, us yeah, as yeah. a person. You can lift a kilo, can't you? You can look at a kilo and know, know how much yeah. a kilo is. You think 80 billion of that. Yeah. It's just fucking ridiculous. That is fucking... It's crazy. Yep. And like, like you say, if they'd invested it wisely or the, the phosphate company had been ripping them off all them years, How they'd all live at oh millionaires God. Paradise Island. Yeah. Obviously, we'd still have the the top side, which is shit, but, you know. But they decided to blow all of musicals. and <laughs> Musicals and just... Well, the thing is, no one's, no, one's, no one's got any concept of money, have they? Well, they have, you've yeah, got to use the resources you've now, got as well, though, haven't you? The problem was they should have capitalised. Where'd you stop though? Mm. You know, you know where. Well, you've got a sustainably miner, haven't you? Well, you know, by sixty-eight or whatever. Is that just like. sustainable mining? Is it? You got to make it last as long as you can, haven't you? What they should have done when it comes to like sixty-eight and they're taking thirty-five million tons, they should have all that money from that should have been invested into the place. They should have gone right. We're all set up for life. We build over all of this now. <laughs> we don't need to mine it anymore. We're fucking set up for for life. That's what they should have done. They should have used the money they were getting from it in the fucking first place instead of it being outsourced by other people to make the money because it was other people profiting off it, not mm-hmm. the not the neurons. Yep. So it's just such a shame that when the neurons weren't always profiting from it, yeah. and then they and then when they never... did when they did get independence. The government corruption Went, and greed, yeah. and they squandered it. Yeah, it's just it's shit. Such a such a sad, sad Tragic, state of affairs. Well, they could have put it into tourism or anything, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah anything. But yeah. what they fucking did, anything. They could have done it. They could have flushed it down their own toilets, and it probably would have they been did. a better choice. They did. They were burning money using toilet, toilet paper. paper. They got no concept of what this is. It's, it's not like us. We haven't been. They haven't been brought up in this environment where they they learned and know what things should cost. Yeah, by then, are you talking hundred years? Hundred and they've not had any money before. So this is the sixties. They had money. They paid a token amount before that. You know, all of a sudden you've got hundreds in your bank rather than dozens, and you're just like, yeah, fuck it. Here's the money. They thought it had never run out. It's like me at a strip club. It's like, yeah, yeah, throwing, throwing yeah, fivers at them. because you think the money's never going to run out. Yeah, but the only we deal, still do pound notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be more Pete than a fiver. James and An- An- Anakima, I'm going to go with that. The minister of the Nauru Congressional Church, who in 1999 passed away at the age of 88, dreamed of turning back time in the last years of his life. Speaking in 1995 with Philip Shannon of the New York Times, he lamented, I wish we'd never discovered that phosphate. I wish Nimaru could be like it was before. When I was a boy, it was so beautiful. There were trees, it was green everywhere, and we could eat the fresh coconuts and breadfruit. Now I see what's happened here, and I want to cry. Yeah. Yeah. And like we said earlier, you know the global warming thing? Yeah, it's a road in the coastline. One day, topside might all be the remains because the coast just go. So what's be left is that uninhabitable wasteland. Mm. 
shame. Yeah, very sad, fluffy story. <laughs> Brutally ironic. Originally, it was nicknamed. It was called Pleasant Island. Mm. Man, I just think it's a microcosm of our world. That's what we're doing to our world. Is, Taking yeah. more resources than the planet can replenish itself. At the same time, we're destroying the environment. Well, we're killing the place where we live. It's not a very smart idea, is it? That's capitalism, isn't it? needs constant growth. You can't have infinite growth on a finite planet. What about democracy, Mike? Have you got that anymore? Democracy? No, do you line? Come on. Well, no, we don't. We live in an oligarchy. There we go! (laughs) Fucking brilliant. Although I do applaud you as well for doing the Obi-Wan voice when I said democracy, (laughs) which I've been trying to train you to do and you finally done it. Train him to do it. <laughs> well, every time he says democracy, I go, democracy! And he's finally picked up on it. And then he gives him a little chocolate treat. <laughs> we don't just live in an oligarchy, we live in a cacistocracy as well. Ah! And ooh, expanding the catchphrase, I love it. Mm-hmm. Here we do. The least among us rulers, it's tragic. Oh, what, a bukkake yacht? Yeah. What? I, I wouldn't mind living in Bukakistan. A cacistocracy, it means that the. The, the least moral, decent people among us rulers. I mean shit. Yeah, <laughs> just thinking like that. Well, unless you're me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not corrupt yet. Yeah. yeah. Too low down, yeah. too low hanging fruit. Everyone gives a shit about the deputy mayor, do they? Oh. Of a little village yeah. called Dawley. Town. <laughs> Oh well, on that note, on that note, I'm in bed, thanks for listening, don't think the favourite, don't get a call. I'm in bed, thanks for listening, peace out, better force me with you. I'm in bed, thanks for listening, peace out, but not doing it, it's still better, 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 it's still